are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If you are not, imagine a journey together, a pluralistic one, with academia, innovators, startups, NGOs, all looking for solutions to the greatest challenge of our time. My name is Samuele Tini, and this is the Sustainability Journey. Welcome to the 12th episode of the podcast, and today we are going far north. We are going to meet the director of the Sustainability Center at the University of Iceland. It's a very difficult name. I hope, correct me if I, if, if I make a mistake, if Aftis Hanna is daughter, who is, who is a very long experience in sustainability. She is a very a recognized expert and she will tell us all the story and the work she has been doing as a practitioner, as a leader with farmers from all over the world and from uh, people uh, in, in, in environmental conservation, land restoration, and also as a woman leader in her field. So it's, it's, it's a great pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Aptis Anna, to be here. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Anna. Can you tell us your background, your story, because it's a, it's, it's a wonderful journey and how you, you end up in sustainability. I'm a biologist by training, by bachelor and my master's degree at the University of Iceland. But during my master's degree, I was also at the University of, of Copenhagen in Denmark. And then I was studying plants. So I was during my bachelor years, when I was doing my, my bachelor in biology, I was studying really yeah, biology in general, but focusing on environmental issues actually going into botany or plant ecology. So during my master's degree, I was studying plants and how they respond to environmental changes or like climate change. So I was in Denmark uh, studying it in Iceland and in the field trips, um, I was in Greenland, in West Greenland and in Svalbard. And then um, I went to Switzerland, to Basel, at the University of Basel to do my PhD. Uh, that was uh, 2003 to 2007. There, I also continued uh, studying plant ecology and not Arctic, but Alpine, which is, you know, kind of similar. So I was studying the reproductive systems and genetic diversity within Arctic uh, plant populations. Also, during my PhD years, I also went to the Galapagos Islands with a Danish research group. Such an adventure. It was amazing. We went to you know, different places, we're looking at the vegetation and seeing how, how plants evolve at the main of, of Ecuador compared to, you know, Galapagos. And then when I came back to Iceland in the early 2008, it was, you know, great to study plant ecology and the small alpine and arctic plants, but I somehow really wanted to broaden my field. So I started working for some months um, in a landscape project here at the University of Iceland, which was more like an interdisciplinary project, combining biologists, geographers, also some uh, people studying philosophy. And so we went into the field, we were mapping and looking at landscapes in Iceland. So that was for a few years. So I was starting to, you know, liking, you know, working with different people, you know, from different disciplines. And then in 2008, I started working then for the land restoration training program, which was uh, then under the United Nations University. And it now just very recently working in, with UNESCO instead of the, of the United Nations University. But I was a director of that program, the UN University Land Restoration Training Program from 2008-9 until last year, 2020. So I was there for 12 years and that uh, was an amazing job. So that uh, program is about training specialists from developing countries. We are mostly working with some countries in Sub-Saharan Africa, like Niger, um, Ghana, uh, Uganda, Ethiopia, Lesotho, Malawi, and then also for, in Central 
Asia, Mongolia, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, and Tajikistan. So it is an institutional capacity building program on land restoration and sustainable land management because we have this long history in Iceland of land degradation, then also land restoration. We lost nearly all our, our forests and, and we have a, a big land degradation problems in Iceland and then also 100 years of experience really addressing the land degradation and restoring the great ecosystem. And we are still, you know, have not solved all our challenges in that regard, but, you know, we have some experience that we wanted to share with the world. And we also wanted to learn from our partner countries. Those specialists came then to Iceland for six months and are still doing so for a capacity building program. And then go back when they are all working uh, professionals, working for ministries and uh, universities, research institutions, etc., in their countries, and then they come to Iceland for six months and go back and share their knowledge and experiences. And then also in this program, you know, we have short courses in our partner countries, etc. And during those years at that program as a director, I was, oh, I visited, you know, our partner countries. I, I got to know the people, the challenges they were facing, the nature. And what I was so amazed about was how similar it is. Although, you know, we are all on this earth together and we all facing the more or less the same challenges when it comes to land. Although, of course, we come from different countries. Some of us are more fortunate in regards to like jobs or, or healthcare and so on. But in general, with the nature, you know, why land is degraded and how we then restore degraded lands, it's much more similar than we think. Wow, that's a great experience. It really gives the holistic view, we can say, of how we are interconnected in the life of art. It's really what you say struck me. It did, exactly. And then another thing that really had a big influence on me was is back in 2018-19 I participated in an international leadership program for women in STEM it's called Homeward Bound it was a year long program uh, online and then we had like four weeks on a ship in Antarctica we went to the Antarctic Peninsula and it was just amazing and you know that also had like a huge influence on me seeing both having then visited all those countries both my own home country and then in Africa and Central Asia and then going and seeing the effect that climate change has on a pristine environment like Antarctica where you've never had any industry there or you know not like a settlement there are some researchers and, and adventurers who have been there but you never like a town or anything like that so it's a but still we have we see the effect on the nature and just being with you know, a group of women and, and all of that. So I decided then to, after 12 years at the pro, you know, in this amazing job, and it was a really hard decision because, you know, it was, you know, I had wonderful co-workers, everything was going well, but I just felt in myself, okay, now it's a time to like for a new step, a new challenge in my life. You know, I was a consultant just for months for the Ministry for Foreign Affairs in Iceland. And then I'm now, you know, like the director of the Institute for Sustainability Studies, which is located at the University of Iceland. So that's a new challenge and task that I've taken on. So I'm really excited for that new journey. Wow, you, you have a very impressive, you know, you can see you are recognized experts on sustainability. And especially I really loved what you said, you know, the commonality of the challenges and the impact that climate change and the fact that we are going beyond the planetary boundaries is affecting also ecosystems which are untouched. As you said, Antarctica, I mean, it should be a pristine area. No human there, no town, no development, no any industry. And yet you see the, this issue. So it, it's really something that we are well beyond the, the planetary boundary. And I remember now, it's, I think it's some years now that the paper was published. So and, and we are still not doing enough. And also the fact that, I mean, women in STEM, it's such an important part because we know we are underrepresented and often they face barrier in the STEM disciplines because of history, because of some prejudice. So it's, it's very important also for young girls to have 
role model like you to be possible, you know, to see and succeed in, in these disciplines because we need also, you know, your expertise. And I think would be it will add a lot of value in, in the future. I want to ask you maybe, you know, you had also from your land restoration program, a wonderful TED talk that uh, will also be part maybe of, of the posting and for the listeners. I want to ask maybe which is your definition of sustainability and especially with your work at the grassroots level with all these people from all over the world. What have you taken out of that and how we can really foster sustainability in a proactive way, especially look at the land? So sustainability is a, like a big word. And uh, of course, you know, it comes from the like that we are, you know, sustainability is focusing on, you know, meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of, of future generations to meet their needs. And, you know, we have these three pillars the economic, environmental, and social. But what I actually think in that regard and how I see sustainability is that I see the economic part and the social part, the ecological part, look, all within one circle, which is the earth, like the environment. We cannot uh, have a viable economy or a, or a justice uh, societies if we don't live within the planetary boundaries, if we don't have a healthy planet. And I've seen that during my travels and my work, that it's so important. Like if you don't have, if you have a land that is degraded and you don't have any food that you can grow on your land and you have, you know, you have overgrazing or you are cutting the forest and you're losing biodiversity, you know, the plants and animals, and then you have a drought or a flood coming because of, you know, climate change, then you cannot you know, then the justice or, you know, you're just thinking of you and your family. Then we have problems with like food security. And, you know, you have, we have seen that in research that, you know, more conflicts and migration within countries and, you know, between countries. So it's, it's so important to have like the earth within the, like the earth system. We cannot go out of that, but that, of course it is all linked. So, you know, if we want to have healthy societies where people are happy and are able to meet their needs, both in terms of not only food and, and, and shelter, but, you know, you know, education and, and health system, you know, we have to have a healthy planet. So that is, you know, I see it from that perspective, but really, you know, we also have to, you know, take the people and in the picture, we cannot have, you know, we are a part of nature. We are a part of the earth, you know, and we're not some, you know, on the side or, or outside it. So we have to think of ourselves as, as a part of the system. I think you touched a point that I really share with you because without that vision, overall vision of the planetary boundary and the art, you know, everything we do is just a small mitigation and some small plaster here and there rather than, you know, holistically tackle. Let me ask you this question, you know, more and more, even in the business world, we are you know, we are reading, even in the Financial Times today, we are pledging towards reduction. We are pledging towards that. We will do this and that. So, you know, but how we can attain this, this objective of being within the limit of the art and how we can, which is the strategy which really can not only mitigate, but regenerate, you know, this is the decade of ecosystem restoration. How we, how we can make it? Exactly. This decade now, 2021 to 2030, it's such an important decade, you know, both in regards to like to climate change and, and what we need to do to both to adapt to and mitigate climate change. But also it is the decade that the UN has uh, is focusing on ecosystem restoration. And uh, in that regard, I think, you know, working together, we need to work together. And I think, of course, we have the world leaders and, you know, the, and the state leaders, the big companies, everybody has to be involved and they have to kind of lead it. Of course, then we have the all the individuals and small companies and all of that, you know, together. But uh, 
what I find so important and what I learned from my work um, with people from all over the world is that uh, there's no like one size fits all. So we have, and that is what we, we are teaching the people, the specialists in the land restoration training program is that we cannot have recipes uh, for each country. So we have we have to teach you know, like people like really the background and give them a leadership uh, training and a background on, on everything that is how, how you restore degraded land, how you address climate change and how you uh, work with, with uh, protecting animals and plants. But it, there might be different solutions for each country and that everybody like you need to really work from the grassroots up. So really, you know, talk to the, the poor farmers who are, who are living on the land. You know, what is their experience? But also talk to the scientists and listen to the scientists. Talk to the policymakers. What are they learning from the process? Involve everybody, women and men and people of, you know, from different countries and continents. Don't think we can do this unless we do it together and we listen to everybody and we find the common solution. It's maybe easier said than done. But of course, somebody needs to take the lead and there, there has to be maybe a lead. If, and I, then I think about, you know, restoring degraded ecosystems, um, protecting biodiversity and climate change. So we need to work on this all together and um, combining also these three issues. So they're not in, a, in silos. So that is also important that we think of this holistically. Or, or, and um, But also we need somebody to take the lead and then we need some, you know, courageous leaders, world leaders. Yeah, that is incredible for me. That is a very this bringing together people. That is the the spirit of the SDG 17. We we need the goal for the partnership because that is where I think everybody can come together as a practitioner, as an expert, and now in the academia. Which is your the contribution of the academia, and especially in that regard of the the Center for Sustainability Studies that you lead, how you can force and which is your impact and which is your goal on that? I'm new at the Institute for Sustainability Studies here at the University of Iceland. And of course, then I'm located within the academia at the university. And I think the academia is really important to like, to do the research on sustainable development, bring people together, but not only that, that the, the science from the academia then, then, uh, gives the like the, the policy, like the science policy interface It's not, not only that, but also that we, uh, co-create the knowledge like it goes both ways and so we really that we have this dialogue between the academia to policymakers to the the companies who are working on this so that we all work together but it's really important that people listen to science and I think we learned that that at least I can see that here in Iceland and in many other countries that that we have to listen to scientists and take their views you know take the research and see what are the newest research what is the research telling us and we saw that yeah in, during the covid times now that those countries that were listened to the scientists actually been doing quite well so uh, compared to maybe some other countries where they did not listen to the scientists so that is important but at the institute for sustainability studies we're not only thinking of sustainability there as a some natural sciences but we are you know we are looking at all aspects of sustainability and we want to like catalyze and facilitate and coordinate like research uh, to promote sustainable development to address these you know these challenges that we are facing now so we are working with all both the, all the different schools at the university uh, the social sciences the natural sciences like the education so we are it's, so with this real an interdisciplinary approach that we are taking because we sustainability needs that everybody are involved we really need everybody on board so we're both working within the university, working with the different disciplines and different schools, but also then I see the Institute as a hub like for sustainability 
in both within Iceland and hopefully in the future also, you know, on a, on a more global level. So both working within the university, but also with the society outside of the university, like, you know, having this dialogue to the government, to the municipalities, for the you know companies, to the individuals. That is how I see like our work. And I'm, I'm really excited. Of course, I'm a new director. So, I you know, we are still like working on our, our policy and so on. But, uh, you know, working with you know, different disciplines, you know, how we promote sustainability, how we do the research, but also um, how we support like the UN decades of that are coming up, how we support the, the different challenges that are com- coming up and how we, what are we also interested in, how we combine arts and sciences and how we can really promote the sustainable development goals and sustainability in general with arts. So how, how can we use the arts to help us uh, promote or, or teach about sustainability? Yeah, so that is a lot of different things that we can do. Wow. No, I really picked something very important. You know, I like the holistic, like the, all, the, all the aspects, not, not just the, the confining yourself in one branch, but in the holistic uh, way. And also going outside and tell people, you know, I really like the fact that you talk with the government, talk with the people, and maybe also the younger generation would be a wonderful area because those are the ones that really will inherit this planet. And I think uh, you you are doing also a very good job with them. Yeah, we are also like now, we just started a program that is uh, together with, we are three focus, you know, the Institute is, is a part of that, what is called the climate leader. So that is uh, where we are working with, with people who are 18 to 25 years old. So we are actually, you know, these are the people who are, you know, like taking over and will be the future leaders. So we are so we are teaching them about climate change and how how it's all combined with biodiversity and land degradation and land restoration, but also you know taking them on on a journey in Iceland like an excursion, really you know with backpack and everything. So it's a leadership journey also. So um, we are really like also focusing on the younger people. That reminds me of your journey, you know, with the backpack in Iceland to really see the effect of the the deforestation and, and the work that you are doing also for restore an island that was heavily anthropic pressure from the early settlement. So, and really this leads me also to your journey, you know, as a woman, as a leader, how will relate your leadership and, and all the work that you have done and which are the lessons that maybe you can give, especially to women that want to enter this field of sustainability and become a leader like you? I just say like, go for it, like go and uh, seek your dreams, you know, go and, and first of all, find the field that you're interested in. I tell both women and men that everybody should just follow their dreams, follow what they, you know, find their passion and follow that passion. Study what you're interested in and then don't let people, you know, tell you that you cannot do it because of this and that because you're a woman or a, or a girl or, you know, you, you know, you know, go and there are a lot of people there who support you, you know, on the way. Seek also then, you know, contact people, contact women that you are, that you find interesting or doing something and seek for advice or, or just, you know, always just don't let people tell you <laughs> to do something otherwise. And also what I've seen is that, you know, it is so important, just what I said earlier, that, uh, that everybody are involved, you know, like men and women and and people from different countries. So we all have so much to share. And if you have only a very just, you know, for example, only men of certain age or, or only, you know, from this country, you know, people from this country, men or women. And so then we are not getting the whole picture. You know, we, we are all learning together. And I think that both men and women 
can learn so much from each other. So it's, it's a win-win for all, I think. And I've also just seen like also when, because we're working with land, you know, what I have been working with, you know, are the, the ecosystem, the land ecosystems. For example, in many of our partner countries in Africa, it's women are so important. They are the ones who work on the land usually. So, so we need, you know, to hear their voices, you know, what, what is important, why are you doing this and not that. So I just tell every girl or woman who is listening, just, you know, find your passion and seek out those who, who you who you need support from and uh, don't let anything stop you. I think one of the person they can seek advice is you because you have done, I think we will put also your link to your profiles because you have done a lot and you have really grasped, especially I liked when the recognition of the African women, you know, because those are... Uh, those, the women are the backbone of agriculture in Africa. The production is actually on their shoulder and literally on their shoulder because, you know, they move the, the firewood and so it's really, it's, it's part of also what, what I see every day. So it's really, it's really important. Let me ask you, you know, a last question, you know, to give a message for sustainability. You know, it's a buzzword. You are an expert on that. How we can rally, what is your message that you want to leave? What is your purpose? Because I think you found your guy. You are working in a field that you like, you know, you're living out of it and you are very good at it. How we can find our guy and especially in sustainability, which is really your message that you want to give out? My message is just let's take down the, the silos. Let's work, you know, across disciplines. Let's... Uh, and I think that is a, some challenge that is both within the academia and in other places. It's a it's a big challenge for, for many of us. So, or, you know, to really, I think, but and take the, you know, discuss with people. I think all the ideas that come with, um, they come through dialogue. And I think dialogue is so important, both, you know, in terms of different fields talking together or, or both in terms of like, uh, disciplines, but also in terms of like the private sector and the public sector and, and academia versus the, the government, but have like a deep listening, really listen to people, uh, not thinking about what you're going to say next, but really use like grease your, in like your listening skills, if you can say so, like really think about, wow, this person has something interesting to say. What can I learn from this person? Show empathy and like think about all the, the good things that people are saying and what we have in common, not what, what is different from us, like both in terms of like you know, religion and, and uh, gender or, you know, background, you know, everybody has something to say. So if we, if we are able to really take this further, you know, showing the empathy, working together across disciplines and, and then that we, you know, I want to really, you know, ask, you know, the world leaders and, you know, of the UN and of course the, the states of, of the planets, the big companies, just, they have to also to be courageous. And we then, all of us needs to be courageous and telling them to be courageous. <laughs> I think that is the way forward. I think we need to do this together and uh, be courageous in, in taking those steps. Think of and include everybody, like leave no one behind. That is so important. So also when we are taking these, like we need to do these drastic changes in our societies in the coming years, if we are going to address the climate change and that biodiversity crisis and so on. But then we have to think about how will this affect the poorest people? You know, how, how will this affect people differently from different countries and, and different social status? So we really need to, you know, have everybody involved and, and do this, you know, carefully and thoughtfully. I think that is the courageous mind. We need to be courageous for this partisan. We need to be courageous with this decade. I think our generation it is a crucial one and needs to be very, as you said, courageous. The, the courage 
you have walked from the Svalbard island to the Antarctica, to Niger, to the desert, you know, to, to the Sahel region, to the Central Asia. You are a real courageous woman and a real example on how we can put purpose and really follow up our, our desire also to make an impact for sustainability and to save our planet and save our, the mankind, what is called the mankind of what the, the human race. It depends on us really important. Thank you. No, really, thank you for your words. Are you satisfied after this wonderful episode? In the next one, we will talk about project management and renewable energy. Stay tuned!